Uh, appreciate the wonderful supper tonight. Everything's great. Uh, it's hard not to like. There's something wrong with you if you don't like breakfast or supper. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight. I'm going to. Uh, I put it on Facebook earlier today. I'm going to try and cut it off about 7:25-ish to uh, get over to East Hall uh, for their revival. So I won't hold y'all too long, uh, too long tonight. Y'all can uh, <clears throat> y'all can go uh, play with the kids or eat again. Y'all might be hungry again by then. But, um, uh, we'll pick back up tonight in uh, John chapter number eight. Um, I'm calling I'm calling seven done. I think three or four weeks on one chapter is plenty. Uh, not even sure that we entirely got through it, but we're we're moving on. Uh, <clears throat> so John chapter number eight. We kind of got a little break right here, and uh, works out perfect for tonight. Uh, since we're only going to go about 30 minutes or so, uh, we're just going to cover the first 11 verses. Very, very familiar uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, been quoted, preached on more times than uh, we can count or number. Uh, but uh, the woman taken in, uh, in adultery, it's very familiar. I know that it is. Uh, just to give you a little story and uh, history and context on this, uh, these first 11 verses right here, if you pay attention from verse 53 of John chapter number 7, or you pick back up about verse number 12 uh, of the 8th uh, chapter, uh, it's highly debated that, uh, that these 11 verses are actually supposed to be in Luke 21. Um, so uh, that's, uh, you can take it or leave it. Uh, everybody agrees that they're canonical, that they're supposed that these are supposed to be in here. They just believe that they got put in the wrong place. Uh, so, a <clears throat> uh, little interesting thought. I thought that you might or might not find interesting. But there's a lot of people that use that and they say, "Well, the Bible has errors in it." No, uh, the the people who put the Bible together are errored and flawed, but the Bible itself is not flawed. Okay, uh, there's a there's a big difference in that. Um, but we go through this, we look at this, we look at, uh, uh, and you know, there's, there's a lot of this when we, uh, we're, we rewind time just, just a little bit. We don't have to go back too far. We didn't have any chapters and verses. We didn't have a lot of things that we have right now. So um, it's, uh, it's been massaged over the years. But <clears throat> nevertheless, uh, like I said, everybody agrees uh, on, on the fact that, uh, uh, this, that this is an actual event that occurred and uh, that we have witness testimony of it, but uh, the only thing that people disagree on sometimes is what book it belongs in. Nevertheless, it's in the Bible. Amen? Amen. All right. John chapter number 8, verse number 1. Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down uh, and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees <clears throat> brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but, thou, but what sayest thou? Uh, this they said, tempting them, that they might have to accuse him. 
But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him, uh, cast, uh, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and rolled on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, uh, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She saith, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Of course, this is uh, uh, the good old Pharisees that we're dealing with again right here. The Judaizers uh, come up against Christ. And uh, uh, obviously, the only thing that they wanted to do is they wanted to exert their authority and their power uh, because they were scared to death that Jesus was going to take theirs from them. Uh, that was the only thing that, uh, uh, and kind of give you a little uh, help on this, all right? So uh, the Jewish perception, right? So let's, let's, uh, let's rewind and think about what the Jewish perception of the Messiah was going to be in Jesus' day. It's, it's different than what we think about. In Jesus' day, what they were thinking was coming was a military leader that would come and restore uh, power, right? So uh, we have the children of God, they're exiled from the garden. Then we have the children of God, they go into the promised land, they're exiled from the promised land. They're held captive in Babylon, all right? Then, uh, then, they're, then they come back to the land. They build another temple, they're exiled from that uh, again, okay? Then they come back to the land. They're back to the land they are right now, okay? And, and the burdensome hand of the Romans is, is on them now, right? Just like the Egyptians were. So uh, in their perception of what was to come, their Messiah uh, was going to be a military leader that was going to come back and overthrow Rome uh, and reestablish Israel as a nation, overtake the land. Uh, that's what they were looking for. That's what their perception was. Uh, and... And I'm going to say this, and this may be offensive to some, and that's fine. Uh, if it is offensive to you, listen, because th this is a fact of the matter, because we need to come to the conclusion today. That's, that is, uh, there's a lot of people that are proponents of that view even today, right? That Jesus is going to come back, uh, that we're looking for him to set up an earthly a tabernacle, an earthly kingdom here on this earth. Uh, that they, And, you know, there, there's a lot of things out there that's very interesting when it gets into end time doctrine, all right? We've got glorified bodies living with unglorified children being born, children dying, uh, and people uh, in the presence of a glorified body, in the presence of a glorified Savior who die lost, right? The reestablishment of, uh, of sacrificial offerings and sacrifices. Now, I'm just here to tell you, my biblical perspective of that, I don't agree with any of it, okay? And uh, that's... Not a large comment to speak in about uh, 15 seconds worth. But nevertheless, <clears throat> do I believe that God will establish a kingdom uh, on a new earth? Yes, I do. Right? So there's a lot of things that are ascribed and attributed to what people think are going to be on this earth, which I think the scripture clearly, clearly identifies will be established on a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, so... I think that's where uh, a lot of times we talk past each other, all right? And uh, I've sat down with a lot of people, and they, uh, I'm glad that we're just at a point right now, uh, if we really try, if we really try for the common cause of, of Christ and the kingdom, uh, we can agree to disagree, and that's a good place to be, okay? All right, so anyway, 
Nevertheless, we, we've come to this place uh, where we, uh, we see that the Jewish ideology is that they're looking for uh, a, a king to come back, that he's going to establish uh, his rule, his reign, and his authority over Rome. He's going to uh, take back all the powers and everything. Uh, and that was their perception. That's what, they, that's what they were focused on. That's what they were looking for. And the Messianic king came uh, and as the line of the tribe of Judah. He was born in Bethlehem. Uh, uh, he was Jesus of Nazareth. What good thing comes out of, Nath of Nazareth, Nathaniel said. And we see that he was the son of a carpenter. He had no national prominence. He had no wealth. He had, the Bible tells us, uh, in Isaiah uh, chapter number 53, when we read about him, uh, a lot of times we see beautiful paintings. And I'm glad that we have beautiful paintings because it paints a beautiful picture of our Savior in our minds. But the Bible tells us that uh, Jesus was not a white, long-haired man, uh, and he was beautiful to look at. The Bible tells us that, uh, uh, that he was comely, that, that, that we probably wouldn't even recognize him, okay? Uh, that he was normal, he was average, and uh, he was a Jew. He was the son of a carpenter. He grew up, uh, and I believe that, uh, I believe our Savior not only, I believe he was a craftsman, amen. Uh, he built the world, he can build a house, okay? Uh, so, <clears throat> but I, I'm thankful that, that we have this perception of our Savior. Uh, and our Savior came, but he was oblivious, uh, uh, or he wasn't oblivious. Everybody else was oblivious to who he, who he was and how he would come, and they could not, they absolutely could not uh, wrap their heads around the fact that their Messiah was a carpenter's son from Nazareth, and that was not going to happen. Okay, so they were going to do everything in their power uh, to try and trip him up because that's why we have a lot of, there's a lot of denominations, there's a lot of doctrines that float around out there today that say, well, uh, you know, that uh, Christ was a great prophet. Well, that's pharisaical doctrine. That's exactly what they believe. They believe he was a good teacher. They believe he was a great prophet. Even Nicodemus, you'll find, uh, until uh, he has his conversion experience and he finally fully surrenders and submits himself unto God, you'll find where Nicodemus said, uh, Lord, if you go back and read the third chapter of John, he said, Lord, we know that thou art a great teacher, okay? We know that uh, you're a master and a prophet. We believe this. And if you read the book of John, John tells this many, many times over and over that the Pharisees admit openly, admit, we believe that you are the prophet, okay? But the Bible tells us that, uh, listen, the Bible tells us this. They never, they never affirmed and never accepted the fact that He was their Messiah. They done everything that they could possibly do to have Him killed, to have, uh, to, to have Him removed from the scene. And this is another one of those. Okay, so there's constant tension that's already brewing between the Pharisees. Uh, you'll find it uh, in the, the other Gospels, the scribes and the Sadducees, that they were all coming against Christ because it was, it's a great power struggle. It really reminds me a lot of what goes on in churches. <laughs> okay? Uh, listen, a lot of times people fight. You know why they fight? It's, it's not for the kingdom of Christ. It's because it's a power struggle. One's losing and one's gaining. Um, so, anyway, nevertheless, we get to this right here. And the Bible says Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came uh, again to the temple. Uh, and all the people came unto him and sat down and he taught them. Uh, now, this is an important right here. And this is something that we'll read past. Uh, so, the, the Pharisees, uh, or let me, 
let me back up and say, not just the Pharisees, the Jews, right? Uh, they believed that the Messiah was going to come and sit on the seat of Moses. He was going to sit on the throne of David. Uh, and that's why uh, a lot of times when you read through the Gospels and it gets by, it's pretty easy, right? Uh, when Jesus was teaching, He sat, okay? And the reason that He did this is because that was, that was part of His messianic proclamation of who He was. Now, I know that's easy to read past, and a lot of people probably don't see any significance in that, but I just think it's an interesting tidbit. But in verse 3, the Bible says, And the scribes and Pharisees uh, brought unto Him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto Him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. All right, we're all adults. We know what this says. We know what was going on. And we know what the, uh, the accusation was. All right? Uh, now, this is one thing that we do know for sure when we get into this, and it teases itself out a little bit better in the Scripture here in just a few minutes. But uh, what we do know is, is this is an accusation that was made. We don't know if this was actually factually accurate or not, okay? <clears throat> and I think Jesus sniffs it out really quickly, right? We're going to use the Old Testament by witness to this. Okay, so they said, uh, they say unto him, Master, this woman uh, was taken in adultery. This is what they said. Don't you love they? Amen. Uh, listen, I won't stop and talk about they for just a few minutes, okay? Uh, because they is involved in every bad thing that I've ever been a part of, okay? Uh, and when I've always tried to isolate who they are, uh, they never have a name, okay? I don't know if you've experienced they or not, but I have many times in my life. I don't like they. Uh, but <clears throat> nevertheless, we come to, to the point right here uh, that they came and they were doing this. So listen, the whole point behind this was, uh, was not to kill this woman. Now, uh, if, if they got to uh, say that this man, this prophet was a blasphemer uh, and they could bring charges and accusation against them uh, to Rome, that, that, that's another thing. Okay. Sorry, my mind's a little bit scattered right here. So the Bible says uh, uh, in verse 5, this is, important. this is a very important thing. I want you to read this and just hold on to this for a minute. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Okay, so they revert back to the Torah. They go back to Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And I'm going to go read those two passages of Scripture where we pull these from right here. So the Bible tells us right here that they said, we're reverting back to the Torah uh, and Moses' law. First five books of the Bible. Moses' law says when this woman is taken in the act of adultery, I listen, she is commanded to be stoned. Now listen, if you go back and you read the Old Testament, the rules, the regulations, and everything that was enforced, and all the blessings that God gave Israel, we must understand this. Everything that God told Israel to do, they didn't do. Okay? They didn't honor these things. The years of Jubilee. You know what the year of Jubilee is? So in the, uh, after seven Sabbaths, which was the 49th year, in the 50th year was uh, uh, set to be called the year of Jubilee. All right? You, have you ever heard about the year of Jubilee? The year of Jubilee in, in Israeli and uh, in, in Hebrew uh, culture was the year when uh, if you were a hired servant or if you were a slave, your debts were forgiven and you could go home. If you owed another person, that you forgave their debts, they forgave you your debts. Land went back to original owners. Slaves were gone. Everything that leveraged anything that would drive, uh, listen, to 
uh, any kind of socioeconomic difference within the culture or within the community was to be spoiled and to go back to the way it was. That was the year of Jubilee. That, God established that. After seven Sabbaths, the Bible tells us he gave them a year of Jubilee. You know this? That Israel never honored not once the year of Jubilee. Not once. So a lot of times we look through the Old, uh, the Old Testament, the Old passage of Scripture, and we look at the Old Covenant that God established with them, and we say, we wonder, uh, why did God bless them with land, and why were they exiled? Why did He bring them back and exile them? Why did He bring them back and exile them? It's because they wouldn't follow God's law. Okay? Uh, friends, listen to me. And a lot of times today we look at churches, we look at ourselves, and we look at different situations. We say, God, why, 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 why? Well, it's because we're not... Uh, listen, we're either doing one of two things. We're in God's will, and these are trials, temptations uh, that are before us, and we are enduring them with patience till we can see His glory and His fullness. Amen. Uh, or listen, we're out of the will of God. One of the two. Uh, friends, listen. So we come to this place, and, and like I said, God had established the year of Jubilee that was freedom. Financial freedom. Do you understand what that what I'm talking about? God, listen, there was no arguing over the land. God said, you get this one, you get this one, you get this one. Uh, listen, and he said, now of all this, he said, the Levites shall, uh, they're going to be the priests. This is going to be the one tribe. They're going to be the priests. They're going to go around. They're not going to have one parcel of land. They're going to inhabit every parcel of land and the six cities of refuge, which I love. Okay? So, now, we get away from that. God tells them, listen, we've established all this. And the reason I'm saying all this is because the accusation that is being brought by the Pharisees to Jesus was not even in practice. Okay? Was not even in practice. They didn't even do this anymore. They didn't stone anybody in the streets anymore. <clears throat> for adultery. For adultery, that is. Because we know that they stoned Jesus. We know that they stoned Peter. We know that they stoned Paul. <clears throat> and uh, listen, whoever else that they could throw a rock at. Uh, listen, that they didn't like who was trying to steal their authority and their power. But Jesus addresses this point. And you say, well, preacher, how do you know this? Well, Jesus actually addresses this. Uh, <clears throat> and and uh, this might be getting into touchy subjects, but it's biblical subjects that we need to talk about. Okay? Uh, so we get into the form of divorce. And, they, and uh, the Pharisees came to Jesus and he said, tell us about divorce, right? You know what Jesus told him? He said, a bill of divorcement was, was issued to this, but issued to you because of the hardness of your heart. Okay? So, but all that being said was, was we understand that there was a bill of divorcement that was drawn and established and honored. Okay? That, that's the whole reason I want to bring that up because that's what Jesus was telling them. All right. So when we start tying all these knots together, we understand that Jesus said, "Look, you don't even honor Moses' covenant anymore." Right? So everything that you're quoting to me, you don't even do. All right. Now let me get to this. Deuteronomy chapter number twenty-two, verse number twenty-two. <laughs> if a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they then uh, they both of them die. Both the man that lay with the woman. And the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto a husband or engaged, if she is engaged to a husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then ye shall bring them both unto the gate of the city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die there. The damsel, because she cried not, 
uh, being in the city, and the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, so thou shalt put away evil from among you. That's Deuteronomy. In the 20th chapter of the book of Leviticus, it says, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be put upon them. So we have a defense. Uh, or, uh, we have a breach of the, uh, of the offense that, and, and the penalty of the crime. We understand that uh, in Leviticus 20 in the book of Deuteronomy in the 22nd chapter. It tells us uh, how, the, the, how death is to be carried out. is to be carried out by stoning. So then we get over here. So that's how we all get to this one verse right here. So they throw this woman down, which we don't know if she was guilty or if she wasn't. Okay, I, I've been guilty uh, in years past when I've used this as a text to preach on it, and I've just assumed her guilt, right? Uh, but we live in a country where we should assume innocence, right, until proven guilty. Okay, uh, listen, uh, so a lot of times, uh, but when we look at humanity, we understand this one thing, uh, that, uh, that if it were not for the blood of Jesus, uh, there's no hope for any of us, right? So... But this woman, so <clears throat> I'm going to take a, a little different view on this tonight. I'm, a, I'm going to presume her innocence until she's proven guilty. Okay, so the Bible tells us right here that uh, uh, now uh, Moses in the law commanded uh, that she should be stoned. What sayest thou? What are you going to do? About <coughs> Verse number six, they said, this they said, tempting him, how that they might have to accuse him or bring accusation against him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, rolled on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, okay, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, and if you'll, if you'll afford me the liberty, because the Bible doesn't say what he wrote, okay? Uh, it just tells us that he did. Um, there's a lot of different scholars, a lot of different people, a lot of different Jewish scholars that have weighed in on this over the years. And there's a lot of interesting thoughts and opinions. I'm going to be honest with you. The one that I ascribe to and, and hold to and have held to for a long time uh, is that when Jesus knelt down, he, he does this twice. Okay? Uh, so the first time, uh, the Bible says, uh, this they said tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Okay? So... Uh, there's, there's really two primary ones that we could talk about. Uh, one of them says that, uh, that, he, that, he knelt, that he knelt down and, and he began to uh, scribe in the ground of the Scripture from Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Isaiah. That's one perception. The other perception, I'm just going to give you both views. And, you, you, and listen, biblically we don't have anything to stand on on which one of these is true. So... Uh, some people say that he was writing scripture. Uh, the second side of this view says that uh, as the elders, as we begin to understand uh, through the rest of the text, as the elders came around, uh, there's a lot of people think that he began to write their name. Okay? He began to write their name at their feet. Right? So in a semicircle, he's just writing everybody's name as he stoops down. Uh, which... That's kind of where I stand. You know, uh, I, don't know if he, I don't know if he didn't write Scripture and their name, okay? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to find out one day, but I get to have an opinion right now. 
And this is all this is, right? You can have an opinion too. You can have an opinion that I hadn't studied before because it's not in the Bible. As long as we stay within the confines of the Bible, this is my opinion. I'm telling you, it's my opinion. <clears throat> so uh, they continued asking him. He lifted up himself and said unto him, uh, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. Okay, now let me give you the rest of the law. The rest of the law says that, uh, that a woman that was taken in the act of adultery, her and the adulterer is to be stoned and to be killed. But if we go on in the law, the law says that the eyewitness of the event is to cast the first stone. Okay? Uh, this is an error on my part. I didn't study out uh, in years past. I haven't studied out to its fullest extent of what the law commanded and what the law demanded, right? And that's why I always assumed that she was guilty. Uh, but I believe that this, in this particular circumstance, actually proves her innocence, okay? Uh, because they had biblical grounds by the law of Moses that if a person had witnessed this and it was actually true, he had biblical grounds to carry out the law of Moses. Okay? So Jesus tells, he stands up and, and the Bible says that Jesus just confronts them. So Jesus, uh, so they continued to ask him. He lifted up himself and said to them, he is without sin among you. He said, let him cast the first stone. Right? So what he's trying to do here is trying to do two things. He's trying to tease out the accuser. Alright? So all of y'all, they, right? Uh, uh, and I love that when the Bible speaks about here just few minutes it says that they departed from the eldest to the youngest I, I, I believe that they probably most likely had a ringleader uh, that probably stirred this whole hornet's nest up and they came with it okay they always is usually one person uh, but they gotta have a crowd around and fight right you know what I'm talking about I know you know what I'm talking about <clears throat> so he that is without sin among you let him cast the first stone. So he's trying to tease out. Okay, now, and listen, I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to present this to you like Jesus didn't know. Okay, he knew exactly what was going on, right? Uh, it's not like he was fooled and he was trying to figure out who's doing this or why they were doing this. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew who done it. He knew their hearts and knew their thoughts and knew their intentions. Okay, so he's trying to get some ownership out of here. Okay, all right, they. Who is you? Who is really bringing accusation? Because according to the law, what he did is he turned, them, he turned the law back on them. Right? He took God's word and he turned it right back on them. So they came to him and they said, Moses said the law commands uh, that uh, she be stoned. What, what do you say? Well, Jesus said, well, the law says he that witnesses it should cast the first stone. So he stands up and he hands it back to them. Now, what are you going to do with it? I didn't like how I didn't like how that tasted. When he stooped down, and again he stooped down and rode on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest and to the last, and Jesus was left alone, the woman standing in the midst. Alright, backing up just quick. Verse number eight. And he stooped down and rode on the ground. This is the second time he stoops down, right? So we have uh, the perception that he was either writing scripture in the ground, that he was quoting the law of Moses back to them, and he was writing it in the dirt, 
Or second option is, is he was writing their names at their feet the first time. And the second time he began to write their sin under their name. Okay? And this is why the Bible says that they departed from the eldest to the youngest because Jesus started at the youngest. Right? They seen what was going on and they didn't want any part of what was fixing to be revealed. Okay? So, in essence, what we tease out is this. I believe, number one, that this woman was innocent. Number two, I'm glad that we have a Savior who sees what we can be, not what we are. Amen. Amen. Not because we love God, but that He first loved us. Aren't you glad of that scripture? Boy, I am. Okay? And I quote this often too. First uh, John 2 and 1. Uh, he said, I write these things into little children that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus, now the Bible tells us that all this accusatory stuff has been uh, dropped. They've engaged one with another. Uh, listen, you can use your own uh, conjecture and, and formulate your own opinion about what you, where you want to stand with what Jesus wrote on the ground. The Bible is silent on it. The only thing that we really have uh, is a lot of different scholarly looks and approaches. Uh, the one that I personally uh, would lean toward is that he wrote their names and he wrote their sins. And the Bible tells us right here that we come to a place, uh, and, and boy, this is, a, this is a beautiful picture, is it not? The Bible tells us in verse number 9, now listen. The Bible does tell us that this was in the morning. I believe that this was planned. And I believe that there was intention behind this. They were spat behind this. I believe this woman was dragged out of bed by her hair down the street and thrown at his feet. Now you can imagine what kind of mess that she's in. I don't know if anybody else was with her. I don't know if anybody, because this is a Jewish this is a Jewish Pharisees now. Right? Nobody, nobody much is going to contest it, if anybody at all. So I can imagine, in my mind's eye, is she is in her bed clothes, laying on a dusty street, hair a mess, weeping profusely. Because she's sitting here interacting with the fact that she thinks that she's fixing to die and be stoned. And all of a sudden, they are gone. And the Bible gives us this picture that it's just Jesus and the woman. I, I want to say this. I'm glad in every experience, every experience, not some of them and not most of them, every experience, is between Jesus and you. Right? 
So the Bible tells us right here, we come down to this, uh, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Woman, where are those thine accusers? What a tremendous message. All right, I, I had this uh, just come to my mind. Revelation chapter number 12, verse 10, And I heard a loud voice in heaven uh, uh, saying, In heaven now has come salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. The devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. What I want you to cue in on is the accuser of our brethren has been cast down. Of course, we know specifically John the Revelator here. He's talking about one thing. He's talking about the exile of Satan out of heaven. Okay? Uh, but now listen, we must understand this. When, uh, I said this last week in Revival. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse number 18. The Bible said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. You know what keys represents? Keys represents possession and ownership, okay? I'm telling you something, friends. Listen, uh, the accuser has been thrown down. He has power over death, hell, and the grave. He has presently the authority and ownership of the kingdom. Uh, listen, we have no accuser. We have no they. This is what we need to understand as the children of God. Now listen, are you saying that the enemy does not uh, uh, try to tempt us and draw us out and throw out and cast accusation against us? Yes, all those things still are and they always will be until this world is over. But we must understand in whom we do believe, right? We've, we, we believe that He is able to keep us against that day, right? Well, I believe that He is able to keep what I have committed to Him against that day, okay? 7.25. When Jesus lifted Himself up and saw uh, none but the woman, He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Okay? Uh, now listen, as Jesus poses this question right here, He said, listen, all these people that brought you here, as you're standing right here in my midst. Nobody threw a stone at you. Where are your accusers? Where are those that have adjudicated you? They're all gone. So friends, listen, as I preached on this on Sunday morning, Ephesians chapter number 6, when it talks about being clothed uh, with the armor of God, the Bible tells us that uh, that we are going to war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness and high places, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, okay? Uh, we do know that that's where our fight and our battle is. It's not against each other. It's against the principalities. And the Bible tells us that there will come a day 
When we believe that we have done and gone as far as we can go, and the Bible tells us to simply stand. And this woman had nothing else to offer to say. Guilt, innocence, Jesus had just intervened on and interceded on her behalf and said, where are your accusers? Who has condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee and sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee, sin no more. I'm glad that we have a hope. I'm glad that we have an, interce- an intercessor and an interceder that watches over us and guides us. Uh, the Bible tells us there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. He is our advocate. He is our intercessor. He is, he is our place of mediation. And when we are in Christ, and I've talked about this multiple times, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I've often said this, uh, we're not saved by our works, but we are absolutely saved by His work. Okay? Without the work of Calvary, we'd all be death-bound and hell-ridden. So it's not by my work, but it is by His work. And because of His faithfulness to His Father, He was rightfully the accepted sacrifice that stood as a lamb that was slain. Accepted of the Father. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Uh, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily. But says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is forever sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. So as he is enthroned, as he is the king and he stands there, he is our intercessor, he is our mediator, and he is our place of propitiation. And the Bible says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I love you now. I'm going to quit right there. I figured I'd preach for a minute. They won't let me preach over these talk, but I'll do it here. We love you. We appreciate you being here tonight. I want to say thank you to all who came and cooked and helped. And everything was wonderful. Uh, thank God for y'all doing this. and appreciate every, uh, each and every one of you. Let's remember next week we won't be having this. We'll be in revival. Uh, Sunday night at 6, uh, Monday through Saturday, 7.30. Cody and Shannon Westbrook, pray for them. Uh, looking forward uh, to them being here with us. Anybody got anything on your heart need to be said or done?